Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. You know, I'm excited for this morning. It's a special time as we uh, have the opportunity to pray for our children. We had a wonderful time uh, at the high school on Thursday night and so grateful for uh, many of you that were able to come out and Uh, be part of uh, that special time together as we walked around our school and we had uh, different prayer prompts and moments that we were able uh, to call on the name of the Lord and ask him for his blessing and ask him uh, that the gospel might go forth in the midst of our schools. And today uh, we have an opportunity uh, to recognize this special time in our community and in the lives of many families in our church. I heard a, a story of a little boy who got to school and it was his first day of school and he got there and uh, made it through about lunchtime and after lunch he uh, got back together with his teacher and she could tell that he was a little distressed and she said, what is wrong? And he said, well, he said, when I was at lunch, he said, uh, my friend told me that I'm going to have to be in this school until I'm 18 years old and the teacher looked at him and she had some compassion and she said oh don't worry Johnny she said I've got to be here till I'm 65 (laughs) and so not only do we want to recognize our 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 kids and pray for them we want to recognize and pray for many that are in our church that are educators and that serve in our school system and that are engaged in breathing in uh, to the life of our kids and I know as I look around this room and as I see uh, teachers and retired teachers and those that have uh, been part of of my kids life in that way uh, that it's been a blessing to know that they can look to you and see Christ in the way you serve them and the way you love them and so we're grateful uh, for that Uh, you know there's a lot of preparation that goes into getting ready for school there's a lot of things that are happening in our kids' lives. I, for the first time this year, a part of the preparation for school was painting a parking place. That was different. That was different. Teachers are preparing in different ways. Our homeschool families are preparing in different ways. And this morning as we open up God's Word, I want to lean into a passage and I'm honored to Uh, share this time with Pastor Chris this morning. We're going to team teach this morning, and so uh, we're we're excited to do that. Super grateful for our student ministry and all that God is doing uh, through them. And and together, we want to be in uh, Luke chapter 9, and and we're going to see in God's Word that Jesus has given us some instructions, an invitation, an invitation to follow And an invitation that we might prepare ourselves daily to follow him. Pastor Chris. That's right. And uh, up to this point, we've seen Jesus doing some pretty amazing things. If you've been walking through the scriptures um, as as a church, as a whole, um, Christ has been with his disciples for maybe uh, three or so years by now. And... um, the word of, of Christ, his teaching, how he teach, uh, teaches differently than the scribes and the religious leaders, um, it, the word is spreading. They see his power and his authority over things like demon possession or, or over sickness and disease and, and different parts 
of, of health and different life, and it's different than what they've seen before. Um, in John's account, we see that, that Christ, um, he performed one of, one of the maybe the most popular miracles or one of the things that maybe our children and, and we understand and we, we know of feeding of the 5,000, um, how he took just a little bit and was able to feed the multitudes uh, with some left over. And then we read in John's account as well that the, the people of that day, um, as he gained traction and attraction from the world, that they wanted to take him by force and make him king. They desired to take him and make him king, but he, um, he does what he does beautifully is he retreated. He said, you know, the timing was not right, and that was not the king, and it was not God's plan and timing um, and, and it wasn't his kingdom and his timing for those things. And so he retreats, and he, and he gets alone, and he gets alone with the Father. And then we see the disciples find him, um, and they come to him, and they uh, start to, to, to interact. Christ gives them their first pop quiz, their first test, maybe, or, 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 or a time of testing. And he asks them, who do the people say that I am? And the disciples, they respond with, uh, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and some say a prophet of old. And then he turns the table, and he asks them, and he, and he gives them their, their first test. Um, and he asks them personally, right, who do you say that I am? And let's stand for the reading of God's word and for their response. As we open up Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 20. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. But he warned them and he instructed them not to tell this to anyone, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Verse 23, and he said to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Let's pray. Father God, as we read your word, Lord, as we, Lord, Lean into you, Lord, your design, your commands, your promises, the way you have called us to follow you. Father, I pray that you would meet with us individually, personally, God, that we would examine our hearts as we examine your word, and would your word examine us. Convict us of, of sin, convict us of, of, of different things in life, God, that ought not to be. And may we be found obedient and faithful, God through worship, through obedience, through a life surrendered for you. God, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. God, may I decrease, may we decrease and you increase so that we see you and we hear from you and not from man. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. So as we're reading this word, reading the word and we're reading here the teachings of Christ and what is going on, the first thing that I want us to point out, <clears throat> and I want us to see in Scripture, 
After they answered the, the, the question correctly, they answered it, and, and Christ is like, yes, that, that is correct. Your confession of, of me as Lord, as Christ, as the Messiah, the Savior, that is, that is accurate. But he says, it's not time to, to reveal this to others. It's not time. So tell no one of this. But then immediately he tells them to do something. If you are going to follow me, right, you must first what? Deny yourself. Uh, and that's the first point I want us to, to see here. A life of a Jesus follower. Uh, Christians, we are called to lay down our lives, right? To, to, to lay down our lives in surrenderance to God. We are to lay down our lives as we deny <clears throat> ourselves. You know, I can't help but, but think of Christ at the beginning of his ministry as he, as he goes into the wilderness after fi uh, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, where he is 100% uh, man, 100% God, <clears throat> excuse me, 100% man, 100% God, and yet physically he, is, he has denied himself this food, physical food for, for intimate time of fasting, preparing for the, for the cross that is in the middle of his ministry, um, preparing to be filled with the Spirit, preparing to be focused on obedience to the Father, and he is tempted just like you and I, tempted in all ways to, one, to turn those, those stones into food, to have the physical things. He denies himself of the physical things of this world, of, of the physical things that the flesh desires to be obedient to the Father. And he de denies himself the, the immediate gratification of, of denying, right, of, of having this kingdom, of having the kingdom that Satan tempted him with, that, hey, take your throne now. Take it now. You deserve it. But he denied himself this, this temporal throne, this uh, lesser than throne, a secondary, a, 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 a fraud, right? And then also, hey, display your, your power and your, your majesty. Re receive glory, right? Throw yourself down and summons the angels and put on this great work and, and, and let others see how amazing you are and amazing these things. But he denied himself again and again and again right there at the beginning of his ministry. And the same thing for us. As, as followers of Christ, we are called to lay down our lives, to surrender all to him. But not only are we called to surrender all, we read in that scripture, but we are called to what? Take up our cross and follow Christ. As we think about those words, to, and Jesus gave an interesting call. He said, if anyone... It's an interesting invitation that Jesus gives. He said, if anyone would come after me, and in the Greek, it's the same word that we see at the end in the follow me. And so Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, that call is a call of discipleship. There's a call that we must have. And it's not simply, you know, when we think about denying ourselves, a lot of times we think about denying ourselves of something. We think about, hey, I'm going to not have this, or I'm going to not have that, or I'll deny myself something. But this was a much greater call. It was a denial of ourselves. Jesus called his disciples to be people, those who would follow him, people who would lay down themselves, people who would deny and 
set aside their agenda and their will. And in that, not only would there be this surrender of our will, but there would be a submission to his. A setting aside of our will, a setting aside of our agenda, and an embracing of his way. A call to follow Jesus Christ. A daily shift of desire and of allegiance, a daily shift of being focused on the things that might please us, the things that we might desire, on on gratifying our flesh in a way that we would please him. You know, when Jesus calls us to deny ourselves and take up our cross, when we do that, something incredible happens in the cross. The gospel becomes central in our lives and the gospel and the cross when we think about this call to carry our cross those that would be uh, execution those that would be uh, going to the cross they would carry uh, the beam of their cross to the place of execution and it was a one-way trip right that it was a, a call to die that it was a call to surrender everything and when we embrace the cross there is no promise of a life of ease there's no promise of a life that is without difficulty but I want you to know this morning there is joy on the journey there is joy in the midst of our lives there is a beautiful blessing that we get to experience there is wonderful things that take place but there is no doubt a call to surrender our very lives an ordering of our lives around him and you know many times we might hear people say That is my cross to bear. And a lot of times we're talking about things that we're facing in this life. We're talking about physical problems that we may have. We're talking about those kind of things. But understand, that is not what Jesus was meaning when he said we've taken up our cross. It was an embracing of his way of life. And we say, yes, I, I deny myself and I take up my cross. But when we look at our lives, what we find is a different story. When we look at what's really central in our lives, we might find all kinds of other things that, uh, that we would find at the center of our lives. And whatever is at the center of our lives, that is what is important. It may be that uh, it, it could be a hobby that we have that somehow when people look at our lives that they might see that and it might be the very central piece of our lives. Uh, for some of us, it, it may be work. We, we people would look at our lives and they would see that the, the primary thing in our life, the, the thing that we identify with, and, and in our culture, when someone asks us about ourselves, we talk about what we do. When, when we speak of our, our position or our priority or the things that are in our life, many times our identity is found in our work. And we know that work is not a bad thing, right? The work was there before the fall. But when work becomes the center of our life, when everything revolves around that, it becomes something different. And now we live in a time where our work uh, comes home. And and many times all we do is engage in in a cell phone. And it could be that our identity is in how many people like our posts. And we we have social media and we have this desire. And what we do is we've been called to follow Jesus. But what we see happening 
in our culture is that there's a sense in us that we want to experience pride, that we want to be in the center of our life. And this denial of self, right, when we think about ourselves in light of that, social media says, hey, follow me. And when you see the things that I put up there, make sure you like all my posts. And I'm going to check regularly to see how my followers are growing and to see what likes that I've gotten. And we find fulfillment and we find satisfaction in those things. We, we might go to school and we think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be very smart and I'm going to, and even uh, we, we see Jesus, right, that he is growing. Uh, we see in the scripture as he grows that he is growing in wisdom uh, and that he's growing in stature, right? He's growing intellectually. He's growing in, in stature physically, that he's growing in favor uh, with God and with man. And, and sometimes we can have everything in those kind of things. Maybe uh, it's just the things that our flesh craves, whatever that is. And it could be different for all of us. And maybe for some of us, it is this protection that we have and by the way uh, followers of Jesus Christ are not superstitious right we don't uh, have any of that kind of stuff okay I'm not real sure that this is going to help a whole lot but here's the deal right well we're understanding that our lives are centered in trying to find protection that our life is centered we, we want to make sure that, that at the center of our life that nothing bad ever happens to us and there's a fear of doing anything because when we get out of the midst of that we feel like somehow we 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 have this idol of protection in our life and this idol of safety and, and we don't want to carry our cross because if we're doing that then all of a sudden we don't have control because ultimately we want to control all of these things and I'm, I'm just going to be honest I'm a little afraid to bring this one out <laughs> S- simply because I, I ran into a, somebody looking for this earlier I'm going to put that right there and then I'll return that to where it should be uh, here in a bit. I know where you got that one, Chris. <laughs> but here's the thing. We live in a place where we want everything to be just right, right? We want comfort. We, 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 live, we want lives of ease. That's the desire that many times we have. And we have those things at the center of our lives. It, it could be uh, that... That people work in, in different places. It could be that our homes being in a certain place. And, our, and, and for some of our young people, it could be that there's this desire, right, that, that, that they would have uh, in the center of their lives. They might say, I'm following Jesus, but all their time is sitting in front of a screen. All their time is, is spent in that direction. It could be that there are sports that we play. It could be that there are things that, that we... If you could just hold those for a minute. And, and, and it could be that the very thing that I've packed all this in, right, that this suitcase, it can be that, that there's this, this American dream that we have that somehow we'll spend our time and we'll work for a certain amount of time. We'll do all of these things. We'll spend our life and we'll, we'll, we'll work nine to five. We'll do these things. And somehow there's this idol that can even be in our lives where we say, you know what, I'm going to get to that point and then I'm going to grab my suitcase and I'm going to be on the road for the rest of my life. And my goal is that no longer I have to work, no longer am I 
doing those things and, and even our retirement, even those kind of things can become an idol in our lives. And the reality is that for followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to finish the course, right? There's a race, the scripture says, that has been set before us. Hebrews says that we're, that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that there are many that have gone on before us. And we read in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter, and it gives us a list of all those people. And as I look around this room, there are some of you that look like that to me, people that walk and live and love Jesus. And here's what he says. He said, listen, you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And so then he says, let's, let's lay aside uh, all those things, right, that, 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 that cause us to stumble. He said, let us lay aside every weight everything, right? Sometimes these are not necessarily bad things. These things that sometimes can find their way into the wrong place in our life, they're not necessarily bad things. But if we're going to run the race, if we're going to live for Jesus, there are some of those things that we can't carry. There are some of those things that we can't have. Sometimes it's sin in our life. That's what the author of Hebrews said. He said, let us lay aside uh, every weight and the sin that death so easily beset us that we might run with endurance, right? And when we think about a race that is run with endurance. It is a race that we press on until the end of our lives, until Jesus returns or until he calls us home. We are pressing on toward Christ. We are walking in those ways. And now, Chris, if you would, if you could just take up the cross for me right now, because that's the command, right, that Jesus has given us, right? That's the command that he has said, listen, we are to take up our cross and we are to follow him. Let me remove this because here's something I want you to understand. If we are going to take up our cross and follow Jesus, we are going to have to remove the idol of safety. We're going to have to understand that when we are walking in the center of God's will, that that is where we find safety. We don't find safety in, in, in protecting ourselves from all the elements of, and, and there's nothing wrong with being wise. We should be. We shouldn't tempt the Lord our God. I understand all that stuff. But when, when our life has an idol of somehow we're going to find ourselves under this umbrella, we will never find joy and we will never find true safety. We, we, we also have to lay down th this thought of comfort that, that we are going to live our lives in such a way that we pursue everything uh, about our comfort, that our comfort is the center of everything because the reality is that carrying a cross has nothing to do with comfort. Carrying a cross will cause us to experience difficulty. It will cause us to experience hard times, right? But we want control. It's impossible, church, for us to take up the cross and follow Jesus with anything else at the center of our lives. And we daily... We've got to be people that will surrender everything to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. See, we lay down ourselves and we submit to Jesus in his rightful place as Lord. We lay down everything in our lives. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are surrendering all to him, right? And that doesn't mean that, that we will have nothing that we desire, that we won't be able to embrace those things but there's a willingness to give up everything for the cause of Christ and there's something beautiful that takes place in that because God has given us beautiful desires God has given us gifts God has given us things that we are able to do things that we are able to use and the very things that become idols in our life the very things 
that, that sometimes have been an idol. Maybe it's our work. But all of a sudden, when we have embraced the cross and we're willing to lay everything down and where Jesus is at the center of our life, those things that once were idols, they become tools in the hands of the Savior. Those things that once were everything to us and that we invested everything in simply become just a platform. We are not simply uh, workers that are Jesus followers. We are not people that are bankers and, and, and anything, excavators, whatever you want to fill in the blank. Retired people, you just fill in the blank where you're at. Fifth graders, we're not simply fifth graders that happen to be Jesus followers. I want you to understand that the call to follow Christ places Jesus at the center and we are Jesus followers that happen to be employed at these places. We are Jesus followers that happen in this season of our life to be students. We are Jesus followers that, that happen to be in those places. In those places then, we do everything as if we're doing it for the Lord and we work heartily as if we're working for the Lord and everything then becomes missional. Everything then becomes purpose. And what was central before becomes secondary to the call to follow Christ. It can become secondary to the cross in our lives. Amen. And just this week, we, we heard and met with um, the founder of Over 90, um, a... A man in his, his, his late 30s, early 40s, um, that his mission, his, his goal in life was soccer. Become a professional soccer player. Um, get a higher education. Become successful in what you, what you do. Uh, be a pro athlete. Escape this life of poverty um, and, and be able to, 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 to shine uh, on the soccer field. And, and little by little, as he was shining and as he was gaining ground, um, little by little, uh, the Lord was doing a mighty work. He was placing Christians and, and, and older men who, who were great professional athletes in his life that were Christians and followers of Christ to point him to Christ. And now, uh, for, for over 12 years, uh, he has, has used soccer as a tool. And so uh, now he says he, he is a Christian uh, helping individuals thrive uh, one, in their identity and understanding Jesus Christ and their design and their purpose and their value in Christ. And then, and then helping them uh, succeed in life. Helping them succeed uh, in school and in family and, and in culture uh, with Christ as center and only soccer as a tool. We got to go to Honduras with many individuals that did not play soccer but that loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And we got to be a part of what God was doing um, through Jorge, through his love for the Lord, his, his love for people, and through the talent of soccer. And so soccer is not the main thing. Just this week, uh, as we met um, Wednesday morning with a group of, of young men, uh, seven of us that were there uh, opening up the scriptures, opening up the word of God. And I heard a story from from a, a few of them that said, hey, after camp, after going to Honduras, after these things, we want to start a Bible study in, in, in the locker room during football season. And, 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 and they said, um, you know, just this week, uh, we, were, we were studying the word of God and, and coach's little boy, you know, who's in elementary school, sat in on there and he listened as the word of God was being uh, read and was being taught and reasoned with. And, and as they're, they're surrounded around the word of God, and, and, and the coach said, he came home and, and he got his Bible out. 
And he started reading the word of God and the coach started getting teary-eyed and emotional. As, as you see, um, young men, high school boys, opening the word of God in the locker room where, where, where football is not center, but Christ is center. But yet the platform is football. And the generation after them is impacted. The generation before them is impacted when we walk in obedience and when, when Christ is center and central. And these secondary things are just tools. They're just avenues. They're just platforms all being leveraged for the glory of God, for the word of God to be proclaimed. What a beautiful picture. And I can think of students in student ministry. I can look at adults that are, that are worshiping now because students have invited their friends. They, they've used the platform of school, of, of, of influence, and, and now families have, have joined the church. Uh, coaches and, and other individuals, other adults are impacted by their obedience. And one thing I, I love to say is that the students are not the church of tomorrow. They are the church of today. They are the church as you are and we are the church. And then we see the beautiful fruit of obedience when we are just walking and carrying our cross and allowing God to do the rest. We're not called to, to change and bring transformation, but we're called to obedience. And when that cross is visible in our lives and others see Christ, Christ makes all the difference. Mm. You know, my heart stirs when I think about the way God is using our church and our community and people who are willing to take up their cross and to say all that I am and all that I have is Jesus. And he's central. And I want you to understand, when I think about the, those football players and I think about those guys, I, I remember what it was like to play football. I remember what it was like to have the desire to be popular. I remember what it was like to have the desire uh, to walk in that. And, and, and I was in school just like the, the, the rest of, uh, of these students, right, for, for many years and, and never once in my whole high school, never once in the time that I was there did anybody invite me to Jesus Christ. I look back and I see only a couple of people that I look at and I really knew that they followed Jesus. And when we take up our cross, what I want you to understand is it is not going to be easy. That's the reason that, that he says, take up your cross. It was not painting a picture of no problems. It was not painting a picture of any of those things. And as Jesus carried his cross, it was the way of salvation for us. It was the way that we would be able to be made right with the Father. It was a sacrificial death for me. It was a sacrificial death in our place. And when we carry the cross and it is center of our life, all of these other things, all these other tools, right? They are platforms that we have. They are places that allow us to be around people. They are places that give us an opportunity to, to show the love of Christ and to allow people to see the gospel in our lives. But there will be people that will reject us. There are. I'm I'm positive that in the midst of those football players that are beginning to see more and more people come and open up the word of God, people uh, that, that, that are taking a Bible in the midst of a locker room, right? And there are those that are rejecting them because of that. There are those that would 
call them preacher boys. There are those that would call them and think that they are missing out on the things of this world. There are those of them that are, that are going a different direction, that are going to the party scene, that are going and are investing their life in the things of this world. And there's pleasure that happens that is temporary in those places. And some of them, when they look at those and they see them with the word of God open, they say, you know what? They're missing out on everything. Look at those people. But I want you to know there are some people and there are some that will see the cross and they will see it as the way of salvation. They will understand that it is the cross of Jesus and that he is worthy and that there are people who love him so much that they are willing to deny themselves, that they are willing to give up popularity, that they are willing to give up whatever those things that are in their life are, that they are willing to give up all of those things for something, for a treasure that is so much more beautiful, for a treasure that is worth everything. That's what Jesus said. Listen, this is the call to follow him, a sacrificial life of obedience that results in difficulty, that results in discomfort, but that results in disciples, that results in people who are willing to give everything for the call of Christ. And I want to tell you something. He is worthy. He is worth everything in our lives. Jesus followers, right? We lay down ourselves and we take up the cross. But Jesus followers, they, they are people who live for Christ no matter what the cost. Look at verse 24 and 25. Jesus says this. And notice he says four. And so there's these, these commands, there's these imperatives that we're to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. And then he says this, four. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is it profited? What is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So what does it gain a man if he gains the whole world? What does it profit a man? What benefit is there there if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Jesus said there's a cross to carry. Jesus said, there is a cross to carry. And he extends this invitation, right? The crowds have been gathering in. This was the time uh, to, to, to just embrace all of them and to do that. But Jesus said, hey, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus said, there's a choice to make. There's a cross to carry. There's a choice to make. But then he says, I want you to understand there are eternal consequences at stake. He is worth everything. Jesus says, count the cost. We can pursue comfort. We can pursue safety. We can pursue all of these things. But we cannot pursue Jesus and those things. And Jesus says, I want you to understand something. He said, it would be better to lose everything in this world and have me than to gain the whole world, than to gain everything, to have the riches of this world and lose eternity with me. Jesus said, it's worth everything. So I wonder this morning, where is our treasure you know, Jesus would say that where our treasure is, that that's where our heart is. So if we want to know where our heart is, maybe we examine where our treasure is. Is it in the things of this world or is it in the cross of Christ? I want to ask parents and grandparents something for just a moment. 
What does it matter if our children? What does it matter if this next generation gains the whole world? If they miss Jesus. What does it matter? Students, what does it matter if you gain popularity? I was at a Teen Challenge graduation yesterday, and what a blessed time it was. And as I listened to those men share their testimony, there was a moment while they were still students in school. There was a moment while they were in high school. Some of them that had been raised in Christian families. There was a moment that they said, you know what, I got in the wrong crowd and I began to experiment with drugs. I began to experiment with those things because, listen, it made them popular, right? It made them have a different platform. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to trade everything. We're to trade popularity for the pursuit of Christ. We are to trade our comfort for the cross of Christ. And we live in crazy times. Right, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, in, in the times that you're living, he said, the times in the last days, he said, terrible times will come. He, he said, perilous times in the King James. He said, there, there's, there's times that are coming that are, that are crazy, and they're difficult, and they're terrible. And, and, and men, well, they're going to be lovers of themselves. They're going to be disobedient to parents. They're going to be people who, who are lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. We see it all around us, and we live in a time where that is there. But we live in a time where the same invitation that Jesus gave, the same call that he gave to his disciples them, he said, listen, if anyone would come after me. And when some of them that were there because he had been feeding the 5,000, where they had seen the benefits of Jesus, there were some of them that said, you know what, I, I don't want that. I don't want, I don't want the cross. I don't, want, I don't want that. I just want the benefits. I just want the good. The invitation was simple. He said, if anyone would follow me, if anyone would come after me, and we hear a lot of invitations in our culture. There are all kinds of things that I've heard pastors say, but this morning I want to give you the, the invitation that our Lord and Savior gave. The invitation to not a life of comfort, not the promise of prosperity, not the promise of any of those things, not the promise of riches, not the promise of anything, the promise of a cross, the promise that some of your life will be difficult, that there will be suffering, that we embrace and consider ourselves, that, that we are humble to consider ourselves worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. Did you know what Jesus said? He said, if anyone would lose his life for my sake. Jesus said, you look at that cross and you know what it provided for you and you become my disciple and you lay down your life and you follow me. You have me at the center of your life. The cross is the center. And that's the invitation today that we would lay down our lives and take up our cross and follow him. And I want to ask you, is there anything at the center of your life? Maybe it's represented by some of the things that Pastor Chris was trying to juggle. Is there anything that maybe we've embraced the call to follow Christ and we've been born again into the family of God, but somehow in the midst of this world, our eyes have turned to things that don't really matter? Is there something in our lives that has taken the place, the centrality that only Jesus is, is worthy of, right? We, we must remove ourselves from the throne and anything else that is in the way. And we say, you know what, God, not my will, but yours be done. My life is yours.
We have a temptation to hide our cross. We have a temptation to cover our light. We have a temptation to do all of those things because the world hates us. Students, this is what you need to understand. The world hates light. The darkness hates the life, but, but I want you to understand there is no darkness that can overcome it. And no matter what you feel like in the midst of this world, with Jesus, you are never the minority. With Jesus, you are never alone, and we walk in him. And so the call is simple this morning. I want to invite uh, Kay to come and play, invite Janet to come and lead us. We, we're, we're going to sing, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond to the gospel, to the good news that we have heard this morning and the response and is simply to the, to the call that Jesus has given. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me.